0: Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's sing together.
1: remain standing for just 15 seconds, but it's so good to see everybody. How's everyone doing? Good. Welcome back to Kavanaugh Church. So glad that you're here with us this Sunday. Hello, how are you? Doing good? All right. Wait. Anyway, so good to see you guys. I'm so thankful you're here. It's awesome to be able to celebrate and worship Jesus, the one who is our salvation and our strength. I'm so glad to be able to celebrate that with you guys this morning. Online, Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you're a first-time guest or been here for a couple weeks, it's great to have you again. So glad to have you. Let's ask God's anointing on our services day. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us back together, God. We love being here in this place, being able to celebrate and worship you, God. We're so thankful for you and what you've done for us in our life. Thank you for redeeming us and making us new or at least providing the way for us to be made new, God. So thankful that you give us that opportunity. And God, you promise us and you've always kept your word. We can turn to you at any given moment and we can know that you're going to be there with us every single step of the way. So thankful for that. I pray for the preaching of your word today. I know Brother Will's got an awesome message, God. I pray for a response like never before. I pray for salvation today. I pray for new commitments and I pray for new life. God, we love you. Again, we celebrate you today in your name, amen. Let's continue to worship.
0: says Lord I come I confess bowing here I find my rest without you I fall apart you're the one who guides my heart I don't know what you walked in here this morning with what stress of the week you came with whatever this week brought you I don't know what burdens you have laid on you or it's maybe it's just another week but the line, bowing here, I find my rest, I think of Matthew 11:28 28 through 29, I'm sure we're all familiar with it. It says, come to me, these are the words of Jesus, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So as we sing this last song, just hold on to this verse, the words of Jesus. If we just come to him and he takes delight light in us as we surrender to him and as we give what we have to him, he will give us rest, rest for our souls. Let's sing that this morning. here this morning God us to come together and have this time of fellowship and just lifting up your name together God we thank you that we can come to you God and you are there for us you're welcoming us with open arms each and every time God this morning I just thank you for the freedom we have because of the Holy Spirit to just be here And to be together, God, I pray that you would just continue to move upon this service, God, and that you would just be with us, and that you would speak to each and every one of us, and that you would bless Brother Willis, he brings your word, that you would just anoint him, and that it would be your words flowing through him, God, and I pray that as he speaks, that you would speak to us, and that we would be receptive and obedient to whatever it is you want us to hear this morning, God. I pray that you would just go before us this week, God, and just be with us in every situation that we come in, and that we would just be able to be a light for you, God. We love you and praise you and thank you for all these things.
2: team thank you praise team give them a big hand appreciate that good job I want to thank Elisa for helping and singing with us Elisa is going to take an internship in a church in Missouri she'll finish her degree online and uh, for this next year she's going to be working in a church in the music ministry so Elisa we love you and we're proud of you we're going to be praying for you sister well, the Olympics are about over. Have, have you been watching the Olympics? If you if you have watched any of the Olympics, raise your hand. Any any of it at all, raise your hand. Okay, if you, Angie and I watch the whole thing. I mean, every night, Gary, we're watching the Olympics, either either just a snippet or the whole thing. I mean, we're into it. I, I love the Olympics. We, we our bald heads, man. We just love the Olympics. <laughs> I guess. I don't think about this. Okay. These, these are the best athletes in the world, top-notch athletes, whatever field or event it is, these are the best of the best of the best, and then when they get to that race course or in that arena or in that pool or wherever it is they're competing, the best of the best are competing, but there's one that wins, there's one that shines, there's one that you say, Wow! How in the world did they do that? They're racing against the best in the world. They are the greatest. Man, it just kind of, man, it it does something to me. Now, there there are some events and some races that we just, Billy, we just like them better than others. One of them came up this past week. It was the women's 400-meter hurdles. And we were anticipating this one. I, th- I think it goes back to the fact our middle daughter, Callie, ran hurdles in high school, and so we know about this race. And I mean, it's just kind of our way- race to watch. And so we were greatly anticipating the women's 400-meter hurdles. Two Americans were in it. Uh, Dalila Mohammed was supposedly the one who was going to win, but Cindy McLaughlin was also in the race, and we were wanting Sydney to win. Now, one of the reasons why is she's, just, she's an awesome lady, but she is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, she turned 22 during these Olympics, but, and she went to a Catholic high school. But a year ago, she received Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And let me tell you, she is not ashamed of her faith. You, you follow Sydney on any kind of social media, she's talking up Jesus, man. Here's what she wrote just uh, before the Olympics. She said, for 21 years, I was running from the greatest gift that I could ever receive. But by his grace, I have now been saved. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. My past has been made clean because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's awesome, man. And I'm she. She is not ashamed of Jesus. She talks about Jesus all the time. So when this race came on, I'm telling you what, we we were excited. Uh, Whitney was there. Zane was home. We were all watching, and uh, Angie was on the couch. But when the race came on, Angie pulled an archer on us. She's an archer, okay, and this is how the archers act. She jumped off that couch and she got right in front of the TV to watch. watch right. I was having to look around her because she was, she was so into this thing. And, and it was a great race. Dalila uh, Muhammad and Sidney McLaughlin were, were back and forth. And, and I got the clip. Can I play it? Because I just love watching this. Uh, Sydney d- didn't start out ahead, but she—you'll just see what she did. She is the third one on your right side. G- do we got it, Sherry? Can we? Are y'all excited? Here we go. Hey. Dalila Muhammad's quest to defend her
3: gold medal begins now. And watch for Dalila. She is masterful in the first half of this race. She is off to a blistering pace, already overtaking Anna Cockrell, Sydney McLaughlin, much more relaxed down this backstretch and this is the way that she won the olympic gold the last time we were at the olympic finals but sydney mclaughlin is about a half step behind with half the race gone i think she has run the first half just right and now she's going to make her move to try to get back in touch with the olympic champion this is what happened at the world championships mclaughlin had to run down Dalila muhammad mclaughlin checks fellow 21 year old fem Bol off the list now it's the race to the line Sydney, Sydney McLaughlin is bringing it to Dalila Muhammad. Muhammad's trying to hold on. McLaughlin on the inside to the line. It's going to be Sydney's time again. And it's a world record again. McLaughlin, 51 47, blows her 51 90 away. What a run by the youngster, Sydney McLaughlin! a new world record Sydney made her Olympic debut five years ago at 17 where she was eliminated in the semifinals, and has made all the right decisions to now land on top of the podium no
2: more talk no more talk she did it Woo! man that, just watching it again Angie said incredible that's incredible new world record isn't that great y'all y'all are hard to impress she is the best of the best. That is absolutely amazing. Isn't that inspiring? Wow. Come on, give me a hurdle. Woo. No, don't. No, I can't do that. Here, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. You, you saw the cherry on top of the, the whipped cream on top of the ice cream on top of the cake right there. You, you saw the, the, the race. What you didn't see are the days and the hours and the months of agony and relentless training and saying no to pizza and cake and pie and sodas and all the work that went in to that victory. Paul talks about that. Did you know that? Paul talks about running like that. My favorite passage in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's let's look at it this morning about the race that we are to run. I told the first service people, as a boy growing up in Midland, Texas, this was my favorite scripture. I would read it, Eli, I'd read it once a week because I just love this passage so much. Here's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. We do it to receive an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one just beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing passage of Scripture. And I pray that you would speak it into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you use your imaginations with me just for a moment this morning? Imagine that you are standing on the side of New Testament Corinth. You're looking at the ruins. And as you look up, you see a mountain of rock. It is the Acrocorinth, the Acropolis. I've got a picture of it here. It's this massive rock that stands about 1800 feet up into the air. Now, in Paul's day, in the New Testament times, on top of that rock that Acrocorinth was a temple. It was a temple to the goddess Aphrodites, or as the Greeks called her the goddess Venus she was known as the goddess of love she stood for a life of moral debauchery and indulgence every night from atop that rock in that temple would come 1,000 temple prostitutes And they would make their way down into the streets of Corinth and they would sell themselves in an act of indulgence and in an act of devotion to Aphrodite's Venus, the goddess of love, the goddess of no discipline, the goddess of, if it feels good, do it. But if you turn and look the other way, standing at the side of New Testament Corinth, you would see a grove of trees. And every three years beside this grove of trees, they would have the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games were second only to the Olympic Games in their fame and prestige. Every three years, every city-state would send their best athletes, and they would train for 10 months by this grove of trees. They would give themselves to discipline and training, in fact- they had to take an oath at the beginning of the 10 months of the things that they would refrain from during that training. And if you stand there at ancient Corinth, looking up at the top of the Acropolis, the Temple of Aphrodites, and then you look down across at this grove of trees where they held the Isthmian Games, you could see the symbolic choice that every young believer at Corinth had. And that was the choice between giving himself and herself to undisciplined sensuality on one hand, or on the other hand, giving themselves to the ruthless, relentless, and rigorous training of the Isthmian games. Woo! And that's exactly what Paul is writing about. Many have debated whether or not Paul went to the Isthmian Games. I kind of have a feeling he did. I think he was a big sports fan. And so he went to the Isthmian Games. Everybody knew about the Isthmian Games. And he speaks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is what he tells us. You need to be running your race. The Christian race. And you need to have your eyes fixed on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. And you need to run that race to win the race. Now, I can tell this. Y'all are not nearly as excited and pumped up and jacked up as I am. So come on. Let's go. We're in a race. And we've got to give it our all. And that's what Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In fact, as we dissect this passage, there are three things that stand out to me. He's telling us, number one, we need to run with determination look at your neighbor and say determination that's how we need to run look at verse 24 with me here's what Paul says in verse 24 don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race but only one receives the prize run in such a way as to win that prize Paul here makes an appeal to the obvious anytime Paul uses that phrase don't you know, in any of his letters, he, he's making an appeal to the obvious. He means by it, all of you know this very well. It's common knowledge. And there at Corinth, in that city, everyone knew that during those 10 months leading up to the Isthmian Games, that every city-state would send their favorite athlete, their favorite son, to do nothing but train for that race. And there at the Isthmian Stadium, with its track of 606.75 feet, they all knew that at the end of 10 months, all of the athletes would run down that track, but only one of them would win. It was common knowledge. They all knew it very well. He's making an appeal to what they already knew. Everyone runs, only one wins. Okay? Okay? Now, you're sitting there a little bit confused. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand the Apostle Paul. He doesn't mean by that that out of all of us who try to run the Christian race, there's only going to be one winner. No, that's not at all what he's saying. His emphasis is upon the strenuousness of the discipline required to win. He is telling us it takes a ruthless, relentless, radical commitment to win. And he says, guys, you need to be thinking about that as you are running the Christian race. You need to think about it with that kind of intensity. And then he gives us a couple of mandates in verse 24. The first mandate is a mandate concerning persistence. The theme of this entire passage is right there in verse 24, run in such a way as to win the prize. Again, it's a word of persistence, a a word of determination. That word run is in the present tense, and it is an imperative, which literally means you keep on running. You run, but you keep on running. Now, the Christian life is not just a life of a good start. It takes a good start. You need to come out of the blocks fast with your head down running, all right? But there's more to it than that. There's more to it. It's also a life of a good finish. You've got to have enough in the tank at the end to get across the finish line. On the missionary 12th trail for more than 20 years, the apostle Paul had seen many people come out of the blocks fast for Jesus Christ. You know what? We like it when somebody gets saved, don't we? It's exciting. I mean, man, it, especially those emotional salvations. You know, you know a person comes in church, they're just, they're lost in sin. I mean, they're just a dirty rascal. They, they've lived a bad life and done a lot of bad things and they get under conviction. They come down to the altar and they get saved and they're, they're crying and snot's flying and everybody's happy, you know? And they come back on Sunday night or Wednesday night and they're carrying their Bible and they're all in. You know, that's great. That's a good start, but there's more to it than that. And Paul on this missionary trail for 20 years, he's seen a lot of people come out of the blocks fast, but he's also seen a lot of people stumble along the way and get off the race course. Demas was one of those. Remember Paul talking about Demas? He said, Demas has forsaken me. Having having loved the God of the now, he quit the race. Church, listen to me. We need to run with determination. There needs to be this mandate of persistence in our own life, not only to begin to run the race when you meet Christ, but to keep running the race at high noon in the middle of the race when it's tough and and then also to continue even even at the end of the race when our eyes have dimmed and our breath has evaded and our step slows. Nevertheless, we keep running. We have determination. I'm not quitting. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to sit on the bench. I'm going to stay on the race course. We've got to accept this mandate of persistence. But there's also, along with that, a mandate concerning the prize. Verse 24, he says, run in such a way as to get this prize. The word that he uses doesn't doesn't mean to just casually stroll up to the judge's platform and hold out your hand flippantly to receive the wreath. No, it means to reach out and to grab that prize with all that you have and all that it's worth. You better believe that that young Greek athlete who had trained for 10 months did not casually go up and receive his victor's wreath. No, he grasped it. He gripped it for all that it was worth. And to many of us, we like the determination that it takes to win the Christian race. One of the great martyrs of the faith was Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna. He was arrested after having been a Christian for 86 years. And when the pro-council dragged him before the court to burn him at the stakes, they said, Old man, have respect for your age. Deny Christ and you can live. But Parlycarp, having followed Jesus for all of those years, said these infamous words, For 86 years I have lived for my God and King, I will not deny him now. And so he was burned at the stake. H.G. Wells tells about one of his heroes, Mr. Polly, and one of his stories. He, He was not so much a human being as he was a walking civil war. Now, you've got to let that soak in and marinate and think about it for a little bit. But you know what? Nathan, I know a lot of people who are walking civil wars. They're just into that, they're into that. They're causing trouble over here and over there. All too many of us are walking civil wars and there is not determination or a singleness of purpose that can cause us to win the Christian race. And Paul says, you've got to have it. You've got to be determined. You can't quit running. You've got to keep going. It takes determination. Y'all remember Herschel Walker? Oh, man, I love Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner. Here's what Herschel once said. My God-given talent is my ability to stick with something longer than anybody else. (laughs) That's determination, man. And Paul says that's what it takes to win the Christian race, determination. But he also talks about running with discipline. Oh, boy, we don't like that word, do we? Anybody like the word discipline? I mean, it sounds like hard work to me, doesn't it, to you? But Paul says that's what it takes. Look at verse 25. He says, now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown. Now, Paul gives us a few words worth noting in this verse, the first word is a word about preparation. He begins verse 25 emphatically. He says, everyone. Now, they all knew about the Isthmian games in Corinth. They knew that every young man from every city-state... that went to that grove of trees and trained for 10 months... Everyone had to do it. Everyone had to train. There were no sacred cows. There were no exemptions. There were no exceptions. It didn't matter what your last name was or what your daddy did. If you went there, you had to train. Everyone. The Apostle Paul calls for that kind of totality on the part of us as believers. But there's also discipline required in this preparation. He says, they go into strict training. Now, that's a very rare technical word used in the New Testament in Paul's day. It it is a word that described those 10 months of both negative and positive training that these athletes went through, negatively disdaining and rejecting anything that would hold them back and cut back on their performance. In fact, remember, they had to sign an oath of things they would not eat, things that would weigh them down. Modern day terms, you couldn't eat pizza or cheeseburgers or french fries or drink Cokes or ice cream or cake. None of the good stuff. I'm I'm out too, buddy. That's negatively, but positively, they had to give themselves to rigorous training, daily discipline. There was a totality about it. Now, have y'all been watching the diving on the Olympics? Both springboard, last night was the final of the platform. I don't know, do you see that, the men's platform? I don't know, how, how tall is that platform they're jumping off of? It looks like it's like 10 stories. 33 feet, wow. Can you imagine jumping off something 33 feet and doing a, a triple flip somersault with a twisty flip over noodle doodle bug with it or whatever it is they do? Did y'all watch that last night? The, Chi- the Chinese dominated last night. Those two Chinese men, they dominated and you know you're you're wondering we got the best of the best out here how come these two guys are so much better than everybody else well those announcing it told us why said these guys they live together they sleep together they eat together they train together they they live in kind of like a compound they they have isolated themselves from everything else in the world they say no to the things that are going to hold them back and yes to rigorous training every day is a competition Every day they're training. Every day they're doing the same thing over and over and over again, so they become machines. And what's even more amazing than those Chinese men were the Chinese women. Do you see them? That fourteen-year-old girl. She she dove. I don't know. I think three dives that were absolutely perfect. Unheard of. You know how they're doing that? They're disciplined. He also gives us a word about participation. He says, everyone that competes exercises self-control. Now, this is the word that we get our English word agony from. Boy, it's not popular preaching. It's not good preaching for you today, is it? Discipline, agony. Literally, he says, everybody who agonizes for those 10 months disciplines themselves. Look at me. The Apostle Paul knew nothing of casual Christianity. And the more I study the New Testament, the more I wonder how we came to understand the Christian life as this casual affair that it has become for so much of evangelical Christianity today a thing you kind of get into and out of whenever you want to, a kind of smogish board where you say, oh, that sounds good, that sounds fun. I think that's going to be convenient. Oh, I'll do that. But no, I don't want any part of that. Paul says, no. It's an agony. It's not this casual affair. It's that kind of relentless and ruthless commitment that is summed up in the word agony. It's discipline. He goes on to give us a word about motivation. As Paul looked at these young men who gave themselves to that rigorous agenda in training, he said, look at these guys. Can can you believe this? They, They all go through all of this negative and positive training to receive a prize that perishes. that deteriorates, that disintegrates. There was a moment in those games, and they all waited three years for it to see who would finish that 606-foot race course first. And then when it happened, there would be the sounding of this trumpet and the breathless anticipation of the crowd there on the isthmus of Corinth by the beautiful blue waters of the Aegean Sea. I can almost see it right now. As row upon row of spectators waited for that young Greek athlete to go to the judge's bench and receive his victor's wreath. In Paul's day, it was a wreath of pine. A wreath made out of pine needles. And as he bowed his head, the judge would place on his perspiring brow a pine wreath. There would be a moment of silence and then everyone would erupt in shouts of joy and glee for his victory. Woo! And then this young Greek athlete would take that prized wreath back home with him to whatever village or city he came from. And he would place that wreath in a prominent place where it would be manifested. I kind of imagine maybe his dad was a store owner downtown in some little village. And and there was a window there. And maybe he placed that wreath right in the middle of that window. And everybody would walk by and say, looky there. Our boy did that. He's from our town. He's the best there is. But have you ever left your real live Christmas tree up too long? Balcony people, I'm telling you, have you you ever done that? You know what happens if you leave a live tree up too long? It turns brown. turns brittle. All the the needles fall off. You got a big mess. Same thing happened to that Victor's wreath. Over time, it deteriorated. It it fell apart. It disintegrated. And after a few years, you know, people would walk by and and they would see that mess there and say, why don't they clean up that window? They couldn't remember the kid's name that won the Isthmian Games. And after 12, 15 years, they they couldn't even remember that they had a participant in those games. You know what that is, church? That is a reminder that all of life's prizes are fading prizes. All of life's victories are disappearing victories. All of life's successes are fading successes. I mean, how many of you can tell me who won the Super Bowl five years ago? Or who won the NCAA championship three years ago? Or who won the gold medal in the men's marathon at the last Olympic Games? Already those world victories are fading from our minds. And Paul is saying in this verse, they do it to receive a wreath that fades. But those of us who run the race for Jesus Christ... Do it to receive a wreath that will last forever. Elsewhere, it's called the ground, crown of life. And I don't know about you, but I am disciplining my body so that I can win that prize. Eusebius was the father of, of church history. He wrote a history of the Christian faith from the time of the apostles until A.D. 325. He had a special name for the martyrs who gave their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ in the arena. Over and over and over again, he called them athletes of religion. I like it. Pretty good analogy. I just wish to God that our generation that has become so health conscious and so intense on how to run better would get a little more intense about how we can better run the Christian race. Can I tell you something, friends? It takes discipline. We saw Sydney win with a new world record. I said it at the beginning of this message. We saw that cherry on the top. What we didn't see is all the hard work that went into it. We know a little bit about hurdle running. Our middle daughter, Callie, was a 300 hurdler at Greenwood High School. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the facts. Three years, she was a three-peat state champion 6A runner. Three years, she won the state championship in 300-meter hurdling. That's pretty good. That's really quite an accomplishment to be a three-peat sophomore, junior, senior year. I I don't know that it's been done by any other kid in the state in the 300 hurdles, but Callie did it. She's a (laughs) Harmon. No, that had nothing to do with it. You know how she did it? I can tell you because I saw it. She disciplined herself. She just has that in her. If she's going to do something, dude, she's going to do it. And her mama helped her, she was a mama coach. And for three years, two days a week, Angie would drive Callie to northwest Arkansas so that she could train with this guru coach up there and these prized athletes in the state of Arkansas. They were some of the best runners in the state. Callie trained with them. Remember all those days, all those miles, all those trips? I, I, I never went to those things, but since then, Angie's taken me to the places They ran. I thought, my lens. Some of them are heels straight up. I thought, how in the world did she run up that thing? Discipline. Gary, when we were eating pizza and cheesecake, <laughs> Callie was having grilled chicken and steamed broccoli. When we were drinking soda, she was drinking water. You know, a lot of us want that end result. A lot of us want to be the victor. We all want to win. But very few of us are willing to pay the price to get there. Because it takes hard work. It takes discipline. You know, what Paul is calling us out right here, he's saying, that's what it takes if you're going to win this race it is a tough race it is a grueling race you've got to be determined and you've got to be disciplined but the last thing he tells us is that we need to run with direction I'm almost finished but look at verses 26 and 27 so I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or one box like one who's just beating the air instead I discipline my body I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, I don't know if you remember this. If you probably got to be my age or older to remember, but a long time ago in the Olympics, there was a women marathon runner who came into the stadium at the end of the marathon race. And you know they have to come back in and do a lap around the stadium before they cross the finish line. She came in totally spent. I mean, she was done. I don't know how she was still going, but she was staying on her feet. She was wobbling. Her her legs were doing this. She was going from one side of the track to the other side. Her eyes were glazed over. She could barely breathe. She finally got near the finish line, and she collapsed, and then she started crawling, and she finished the race. Now, that's noble, wouldn't you say? really is it's, that's persistence no doubt but paul is saying in this passage as a believer you cannot run your race that way even at the end of the race we can't afford to be weaving back and forth as we make our way to the finish line in the christian life we've got to have direction we need to have our eyes fixed on the prize Paul is saying all the way, I will not run aimlessly, but I will run straight toward the goal of the high calling of God, which is in Jesus Christ. I'm running with direction. I'm running with determination. I'm running with discipline. And nothing is going to stop me because I'm all in. I'm all in for Jesus. And whatever he asks, it's what I'll do. Wherever he calls, I'll go. Whatever he wants, I'll give. Because I'm sold out. Jesus is my all in all. He's everything to me. And I'm running for him. Guys, let me tell you. I I think in the, the American church today, the evangelical church of America today, we've lost that passion I was in seminary in the early 1980s and I can remember distinctly reading an article out of Christianity today talking about a little village in the Soviet Union and a church in that village called the Barnow Baptist Church in 1961 they, they came under attack from the communist leadership of, of the Soviet Union and the Soviets told them, you can no longer meet as a church, and so they padlocked their church building and told, told these believers, if you continue to meet, we're going to arrest you and put you in jail. But you know what? Those believers at the Barnau Baptist Church kept on meeting. They just went underground. They kept running their race. A couple of years later in 1963, five of their leaders were arrested and hauled off to Siberia Two years later, the pastor of the church was beaten to death. In 1967, they were meeting in a house close to an elementary school. The Soviet authorities found out they were meeting in that house, and on pretense that they were brainwashing the kids at the elementary school, one day a bulldozer knocked that house down. But those believers kept running the race. They didn't give up. Jesus was too important to them than that. And all through the 70s and 80s, they were harassed. The authorities would pick up their kids after school and torture, literally torture them and tell the parents that if they didn't give up their faith in Jesus Christ, the kids were going to be sent to a communist orphanage. But they kept running the race. They stayed faithful to Jesus. All through that persecution... They stayed on the race course. <laughs> and I look around at some of the sorry excuses that we give. Uh, it's it's too, too cold to go to church today. Too hot to go to church today. Babe, let's just stay home and watch that TV program that's coming on. That's a good one. Let's just, we don't need to go to church today. You know, that preacher hurt my feelings. I don't think I want to go back to church. Hmm. Paul says no. 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 You need to be determined. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what anybody says to you in this room or what people say on the outside of this room. You need to be determined. I'm going to run the race no matter what. Guys, you need to discipline yourself. There are things in your life right now that are weighing you down, causing you to stumble and not run the race like you need to be running the race. You need to say no to those things. And yes to the things that help you in your race. And let me tell you, you need to stay focused with laser direction on the prize that we're running for. And that is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Russell, it could be today, buddy. I don't know when I'm going to die. It could be this afternoon. But no matter when Jesus comes back or no matter when I take my last breath, brother and sister, I tell you what, I want to be running for the prize. I want to be going for the gold. I want to win in Jesus Christ, and I want you to win as well. Jesus, help us us to do that. Help us to have that intensity. Help us to have that passion. Lord, give us that determination. Give us that discipline. Give us that direction. Help us to be motivated today to be all that we can be for Jesus Christ Lord, if there's someone in this room who has never started their Christian race, they've they've never come out of the starting blocks as of now, help them to start the race today. May they receive Jesus as their Savior. Lord, for the rest of us that, that are running the race, help us to be disciplined. Help us to come to the altar and just lay it all on the altar and give you everything. Lord, there is no telling what these people in this room could do for the kingdom of God if we were determined, if we were disciplined, and if we had our eyes on Jesus all the time. Lord, help us. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to step up to the plate today. Give our all to you. In Jesus' name we pray you stand and come and pray? Just come to the altar. Give your life as a sacrifice to Him today. Whatever you need to pray about, come on. I've decided to follow Jesus. Will you come and do that today? there be no turning back for us I pray that we'd give you our best we'd give you our all bless this church help us to make a mark in this world for you bless these people help them to run the race keep their eyes on the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Help us to win. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. face some this week I guarantee you just keep your eyes on Jesus hey when you leave today stop and put your offering in one of those black boxes or you can uh, give online Uh, this afternoon between two and four we're going to honor Bill and Maisie Little for 65 years of being married Bill and Maisie that's awesome that is absolutely awesome They're going to be in the Family Life Center with their family, so just stop by between 2 and 4, wish them well, tell them you love them, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated. At 6 o'clock tonight, we're going to have Bible Study Online, Facebook Live. Uh, Jason and Joy are doing an interview with a high school student, a college student, and a teacher, and it's a back-to-school Bible study, so it's going to be really good. Tune in and watch that. And then 7 o'clock Wednesday, we have uh, things going on for all ages. Uh, James Harris went to be with the Lord this past week. James and Glenda attend this service. They sit right back over here in the back. They are wonderful, wonderful people. James got promoted to heaven after a a long, hard fight. He's been promoted, and we're going to celebrate his life tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here at Kavanaugh Church. So if you can be here, please come. Support that precious family. Well, the staff loves you. I love you. Most of all, God loves you. Run for him. God bless you. You're dismissed.